Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1501. 1501. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it receive the blessings we just read. This text of scripture is typically referred to as the Beatitudes. This word has often at times caused confusion within the church, particularly in the English-speaking world, because Beatitudes sounds very similar to the word attitude. There have been some who have called this section the B-attitudes. But this word Beatitudes is not talking about our attitudes. Rather, it comes to us from the Latin word beati, which means blessings. You see, Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount with the word beati in the Latin or makarios in the Greek. It means to be blessed or to be favored by God. And so this section has less to do about a person's attitude and more to do about God's disposition towards them. Now, before we dig into this text a little deeper, I want to give you a framework of the whole. And the reason I'm doing this is so that you may see how Jesus structured these Beatitudes and thus better understand the point he is trying to make. In our first two verses, Matthew is, is establishing the setting of this sermon. The actual message of Jesus doesn't start until verse 3. But it is there that Jesus begins with eight blessings. And each of these blessings are progressive in nature, meaning that the first leads to the second, and so forth. For instance, one doesn't learn how to mourn unless they first are poor in spirit. Another thing to notice is that each of these blessings are written in the third person. In other words, Jesus doesn't say, blessed are you. Rather, he says, blessed are they or those. And finally, 
In verses 11 and 12, Jesus adds emphasis on his last blessing. He, he does this by speaking in the second person, saying, blessed are you. Final thing to notice is, is that the rewards for both the first and the last blessing are the same thing. Both end with this phrase, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what is known as an inclusio. They are bookends, if you will, giving the theme for the message. Now, I know it's been a while, but if you remember from chapter 4, Matthew told us that Jesus went throughout Galilee preaching the good news of the kingdom. This is how Jesus starts his message, with, with the good news that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That being said, let's, let's dive in and look. Verses 1 and 2. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying... Here we see the setting of this message. Jesus had already had a great following, and thus he was surrounded by the crowds. And because of these masses, he, he went up on a mountainside in order to gain a, a vantage point to teach. And the text says that his disciples came to him. Who are these disciples? They are the ones that had left behind family and friends and careers in order to sit at the feet of this rabbi. They were, they were following the traditions of their day, listening intently, hoping to glean from their teacher. And so Jesus taught them. And he began like this in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first of these blessings is given to the poor in spirit. The question is, who are they? Jesus isn't talking about the financially poor here. Rather, he is, he is speaking of those without confidence. They are, they are people who are contrite. They are people who have been humbled. They are those who have, who have tried to follow life's rules and have found themselves failing at every turn. They have realized that, that in and of themselves they cannot keep pace. And so they are defeated and lowly in spirit. Today we often talk about spirit in the context of sports. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? This actually isn't a bad analogy. For, for it's the winning team that has great spirit, right? And it's the losing team that is poor in spirit. In other words, they have no confidence. Blessed are the Lions fans. For theirs is a Super Bowl. Maybe not. But if we dig a little deeper into the context of Jesus' day, these poor in spirit are are more than just the downtrodden. These are the ones who had seen the, the oppression of their people and had been looking for the Messiah and the return of God's kingdom. And yet, their experience had told them that little has changed. 
And so they had become discouraged and had lost hope. Their spirits were weak because they, they, there seemed to be no end to their struggle and the, and the struggle of their people. Would God ever come through for them? Would the Messiah ever appear? What Jesus is, is saying to them was to lift their hearts and be of good cheer, for they are blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not that the kingdom will be theirs. No. Christ uses the present tense here. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was telling them to wait no longer. Your king has arrived and he has a kingdom to grant you. Let me ask you, are you at your wit's end when it comes to the sin in your life? Do you, do you keep trying but, but always fall short? Have you been looking for help but just don't seem to find any? Are you looking for a savior? Someone to free you from your bondage of sin? If this is you, then count yourself blessed. For in Christ, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those who mourn are, are not necessarily those who are grieving over, a, over the loss of a loved one. What Jesus is referring to here are those who are saddened by the condition of Israel or God's chosen people. He, he is continuing his thought process from his previous blessing. The Jews and, and many of the Gentiles as well were, were people who were oppressed by the Romans. Those who, who, who mourned to God were those who realized that it, that it wasn't really the Romans who were at fault. Rather, it was because of the sinful state of their own hearts that this downfall had come to them. Think of Jeremiah, the, the, the weeping prophet, who mourned over the sin of Israel. Or of Jesus, who, who lamented over Jerusalem, saying, Look, your house has left you desolate. We saw this very thing when we studied the book of Esther a year ago. The decree had, had gone out for the destruction of the Jews. And then we read this in Esther 4, verses 1 through 3. When Mordecai, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting Weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. This is a description of a people in distress. They were mourning over their sins and the, and the judgment that had come about because of them. They were pleading with God to show them mercy. We see this same thing today at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. 
Jews mourning over the absence of their temple. When you live in a country like ours, when, where even the, the poor are richer than the majority of the, the world, it's not always easy to see that God's judgment has been cast. There are oppressed people in our world. There are people who are suffering and children who are enslaved. Let me ask you, do you mourn for these people? Do you weep at the fate of your world? Do you plead with God to forgive our sins and to show His mercy? If this is you, then count yourself blessed. For in Christ, you will be comforted. This isn't a promise for today, mind you. For Jesus switches now to the future tense. But there will come a day when all of your tears will be wiped away. And we look forward to that day. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Who are the meek? They are those who are both poor in spirit and mourning over their sins. So they act with gentleness and self-control, for they know that, that the Lord has been patient with them. To be meek, it doesn't mean that, that one is without strength. No. They just choose to, to withhold their strength as they wait patiently for God's providence to rule the day. When under duress, they don't need to be aggressive or violent. For they, they have already learned that in their own strength they will not see success. And so they wait on the Lord. Psalm 37, verses 9 through 11. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land. And enjoy great peace. The earth will belong to the meek as they wait patiently for God's justice. Do you ever have that sense that evil is winning? Are you frustrated because you, you try to do the right thing and it never gets rewarded? Are you waiting on God and on His justice? If this is you, then count yourself blessed. For in Christ, you will inherit the earth. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It is because of such meekness, this, this patience in the Lord, that people hunger and thirst for righteousness. The words hunger and thirst describe an intense desire. And this word righteousness suggests God's justice and His holiness. It's what's deemed virtuous in His eyes. These hungry ones are those who crave for God to make all things right. And so they look both inward and outward. 
Inwardly, they, they long for God's holiness to be their own. Outwardly, they desire to see God's justice brought to all mankind. Let me ask you, do you see the faults in your own life as a hindrance towards your growth? Do you look at the, the sinful cravings that you have and long to be rid of them? Are your eyes open to the injustices that, that are all around you? And do you hunger and thirst for His justice? If this is you, then count yourself blessed. For in Christ, your hunger will be filled. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The merciful are those who endorse both, endorse both the, the forgiveness for the guilty and compassion on the lowly. For they, for they know what it means to be forgiven. And they themselves have been lowly. For they too were once poor in spirit, mourning over their sins. And so they, they provide the comfort that they had received from their God. They bring such things to their fellow man. When you see the hurting, do you bind up their wounds? When you are asked by those in need, are you willing to give? When, a, when another sins against you, do you forgive just as you were forgiven? If this is you, then count yourself blessed. For in Christ, you will be shown mercy. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The demonstration of mercy can only come from a, a heart of one who has been shown great mercy by their king. And it is such a heart that will be devoted to this king. This is what it means to be pure in heart. Their, their allegiance is not to this world, and it is not to themselves, but it is to their Lord, that King of mercy. And as a reward for such loyalty, they will be blessed with the fulfillment of their desire. They will see God. One thinks of Moses in the Old Testament, that, that faithful servant of God. What was it that, that he longed for? To see God's glory. Those who are pure in heart, they, they don't do their good deeds because of how it makes them feel or because, because they want to be good. No. Their, their good works stem from a desire for their Lord. They see what their king is doing, and they can't help but to mimic him. Do you long to see your God? Is your great passion in life to be with Jesus? Is Christ your soul focused? If this is you, then count yourself blessed. For in Christ, you will see God. 
Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The zealots of Jesus' day thought that, that God would help them wage war against the Romans. They wanted to take the earth with the sword and create their own kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven is for the poor in spirit, and the meek will inherit the earth. And the true sons of God are those who make peace. None is a greater peacemaker than Christ himself. At his birth, the angels cried out, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Dear friends, Jesus brings the ultimate peace, the peace between God and man. He did so by becoming a man and living the sinless life that you could not. He then went to the cross, dying the death that you deserve. And then three days later, he rose from the dead in order to give you new life. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. He did all of this so that you may have peace. If you repent of your sins and trust in him, the war between you and God, it will be over. In other words, if you are poor in spirit, mourning over your sins, and you look to Christ, then you will be shown mercy. For Jesus is a great peacemaker. And if you have been shown this mercy, then he will turn your desire towards him and make you into a peacemaker as well. You see, if you are pure in heart, if your sole desire is to be with your king, then you will also be about his business. And the way you make peace is through the message of his gospel. For what a sinful world truly needs is peace with God. Do you have a longing to share the good news about your Savior? Do you want to see your friends and your, and your, and your neighbors come to know Jesus? If this is you, then count yourself blessed. For in Christ, you will be called sons and daughters of God. Of course, if you choose such a route, not all of the world will take kindly to your message. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The world's notion of peace is not the same as the peace that God brings. You see, what the world wants is all of God's love without any of His holiness. They don't want to change who they are. They don't want to conform to, to His will. Instead, they'd rather see God conform to theirs. They are not meek. And so they lash out when confronted with their sins. And they persecute those who speak of God's righteousness. 
Out of all his beatitudes, this is the hardest to swallow. I mean, how can the persecuted be blessed? But Jesus is emphatic on this point. So he rephrases it in the second person, making sure that his disciples know what is ahead of them. Making sure that you know the cross that you must bear. Verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If this is you, then count yourself blessed. For in Christ, yours is the kingdom of heaven. So how do we sum this all up? In the book of Exodus, we read about the people of God going to a mountain and hearing the voice of God. And the message that they had received was the Ten Commandments, His law. And now in Matthew, we read about the people of God going to a mountain and hearing the voice of God. And the message they received was the Beatitudes, His blessings. Earlier this week, I sent out an email requesting you to read this passage and, and to ask the question, why? Why would Jesus start his message this way? Did you think about it? The answer is this, because the law is powerless to save. Romans 8 verses 3 and 4 for what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful men to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Brothers, sisters, the, the blessing of God can do what the law could not. And all of these blessings can only come through Jesus. And it begins by being poor in spirit. It starts by being lost and in need of a Savior. This is why the message is what it is, to repent and trust in Him. You see, we need to stop relying on ourselves and start looking to the blessings of Jesus. And if you do this, then you can count yourself blessed, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray. Father, we come to you weak and unable to fight for ourselves. We need your blessings. We need your spirit. We need your son.
We pray this in his name. Amen.